0: Here's what's funny. So we're doing the SNY suite game today and I'm sitting in the suite and I'm watching the game and there was a point in the game in which the architect says, hey, can you talk to some, uh, what's the, uh, uh, some sponsors, Yeah, talk to some sponsors, do a little schmoozing and I look at him and I say, it's 0-0 zero, zero in the sixth inning. Is this really the moment you want me to do this? But I'm a good company guy, so I do it. <laughs> All right, so I do but Trust me, this story is going to become relevant in a second. So I'm doing some smoothing. It's OK. It's now Edwin Diaz is coming into the game in the eighth inning. And I'm like, oh, my God, my head is spinning. But I ran into uh, an unnamed med executive. OK, unnamed med executive. And when I meet with med executives, which I very rarely do, I'm very opinionated. OK, it's the one thing Beningo taught me in the day. I don't just say, oh, great to see you with some corporate BS. I tell them what's on my mind. So when I run into an unnamed Med executive in a 0-0 game in the seventh inning in which Tomas Nitto can't hit, Dom Smith can't hit, even though that 12th pitch at-bat was fun. Do you imagine, Pete, what I said to the unnamed med executive? I mean, it can't be anything
1: too spectacular. It can't be anything that's it's less than this is effed.
0: No, I was specific. I barked an order, Pete. You'd be very proud of me. I said, "Where the hell is Francisco <laughs> Alvarez?" <laughs> and what I got was this is what I and I don't, I'm not saying there's any kind of breaking news, but I did get a response. I got a there's an internal debate, you know, which is probably out there anyway because the person I spoke to was in favor of Francisco Alvarez coming up. Now maybe he was appeasing me. Maybe it was I don't want to argue with this raging lunatic in the middle of a Met game. But he agreed, but it's not. There's a group think going on. And so the, the positive I take out of that is they're debating it. And I think that the Mets are going to soon realize, and I'm okay with Mark Vientos too. I know Francisco Alvarez is the most talked about guy because he's the sexier prospect and the bigger prospect. But, and I do like the Alvarez appeal, of catching him, even if it's only a few days a week, plus DHing him, like you have both of those options as compared to Vientos, who could very well be your third baseman, but we clearly don't see an answer at catcher. Tomas Nito can't hit as solid as he is defensively, and James McCann can't hit as solid as he is defensively. So I think Alvarez, for plenty of good reasons, is the preferred guy. But I'd be excited about Vientos coming up too. So I do get the sense that this is being talked about. And that it's a fair debate, and that's why are going down there matters. And it's why this slump, and it's a slump, it's an offensive slump this team has gone through, also matters. Because now you say, all right, it's late June, the lead's down to three games. It's not a panic move, but to your point, Pete, of seeing what we have, let's see what we have. Otherwise, we're going to be screaming about making a trade for a bat. If you have a bat already here that can be productive, it's less that you have to trade for at the deadline. So I'm not telling you he's going to be called up tomorrow, but it's absolutely on their radar. And I would call him up tomorrow. I don't see any reason not to at this point.
1: No, I I agree 100%. And that's why, by the way, he was definitely appeasing you because if you chose to say the guy's name, he wants to be pro Alvarez. 100%. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right.
0: (laughs) Could he actually have said, no, he's not ready, kid. I mean, I guess he could have. Hey, Evan, you don't know what you're talking about. He's not ready. And and look, Pete, we don't know if he's ready defensively. I admit that. But there's a DH in this league, and the Mets don't have a good DH right now. So even if it's only catching him once or twice a week, or maybe more, but mostly DHing him, it's just about getting his bat in the lineup because there are three, I'm holding up my fingers, 3 weak spots in this lineup. Catcher, third base, and DH. And Pete, they're not adding three bats at the trade deadline. That's not realistic. So if one of the guys can be an internal at-bat, that makes life a hell of a lot easier. And it's embarrassing that a DH
1: is one of the, the, the bad, the sour spots in the lineup. That's embarrassing because we talked about that for years. I can't wait for the Mets to get a DH. We have so many players that can't, field as well but they could definitely hit and now you have jd davis or dom smith basically stinking up the joint it's embarrassing they have to it is
0: that. And, and look the, their lineup of nimmo Marte, lindor alonzo and then on most days mcneil is fine it's very good but you can't be overly reliant on it and i think over the last few games when you look at this offensive slump they're in it's because those guys aren't tearing it up well guess what Francisco Lindor clearly is not going to tear it up every single day. And even Pete Alonso is having a great year is going to have a series in which he goes 0 for six. You can't sit there being overly reliant on it because after you get through those five guys, on Days McNeil's hitting fifth, like he did in the Verlander game, there's a drop-off. Luis Guillerme has absolutely quieted down offensively in a short sample size. Dom Smith has never hit. JD Davis' hard hit rate is high, but nothing else is. Um it's just not a very good lineup five through nine. So why not give it a jolt? The, the, the second game of this series, though, was very similar as the first game in terms of the first inning killed him. Okay, first inning killed him. Tywan Walker pitches a 1-2-3 first inning, and Brandon Nimmo, and you could see this was the Met strategy against Verlander, Hacks first pitch, double. Get a leadoff double against Justin Verlander. And I said it at the time to anyone who would listen inside the SNY suite. Beautiful suite. Gotta love it. Very spoiled. Now I want to sit there all the time, especially when they bring you Shake Shack and you never have to get up. It's a very bougie, bougie game, but we did have a tailgate right before the game. And I do have to commend Craig Carton. He pulled it off. I had nothing to do with it. I didn't even want to have a tailgate, but he got the meat. He had friends bring the meat. There was a grill. All I did was bring cups and I had a catch with everybody. Which was a lot of fun. I did have a catch with everybody. Anyone want a catch? I heard.
1: I asked someone called in and said they, the the tailgate was amazing. And I asked them specifically what was the deal. Did Evan have a catch? And he's like, yes, but you brought in a ringer. What was that about?
0: I brought. What does that mean? I brought someone. A ringer. You
1: had someone like to make sure that you had a catch. Like, was there like a friend with you or whatever that, no. that you brought? No. Really? Because this guy was like, no. oh yeah. It seemed like he had someone that he brought in. Just in case no one else wanted to have a catch with
0: them. No, I, here's what happened. (laughs) When guys wanted to have a catch with me and they didn't want to stop, I wasn't putting a time limit on it. I wasn't like a ride at Disney world where I'm like, okay, you've had your (laughs) five throws on to the next. I was having a catch specifically with two guys. I forget their names. One was a lefty and the other one, I don't know his name. They were, they were doing great. Like I wasn't going to kick them out. So no, I did not bring any friends. I didn't bring a ringer. I'm just, uh, I'm a man of the people, people. I- oh, wait, did it get too,
1: did it get awkward? Like it got too long? Like it's like, all right, dude, I, I got to do something else now. Can we stop playing catch?
0: No, because I didn't want to stop. I, <laughs> I, I was good. At, so what I was doing is having a catch and then talking to people. Like people would come over, hey, love the show, hate the show, want to talk, Mets, whatever it was. So I'm we're doing it while I, I thought this was perfect. I'm talking to people while having a catch. And Craig's talking to people while cooking meat. Nothing <laughs> exemplifies our show more than that.
1: That, is, oh. that. that is phenomenal.
0: So that caller was wrong. There was no ringer. <laughs> it was just me, <laughs> me having a catch with people. But that was a lot of fun. And then, yes, the game. But here's the point. Lead-off double Brandon Nemo. You got to score this run. You got to score this run. And the architect of our radio station says to me right as Marte steps up, hey, Evan, that's not really his voice, but I'm throwing it out there. Hey, Evan, should Marte bunt? And I looked back and said, no, should Marte bunt? What, what are you, high? First pitch, pop up to center field. You see, Evan, he should have bunted. <laughs> and look, I yes, you figured this was going to be a low-scoring game. Yes, it could have been a one nothing game. Doesn't mean I would have taken the bat out of Starling Marte's hands. So I don't regret saying no, we shouldn't have bunted, but it was really imperative. They got that run home. You are facing an all-time great pitcher. And even off Tommy John surgery is still at the top of his game. And I'll be striking as many guys out, but the dude's got a low two ERA. He's had like two bad starts the entire year. The rest of it has been pure dominance. You have got to get that run home and There are certain things in life that sound like cliches, but they're not because they're true. When you face an all-time great pitcher, if you don't get to them early, you don't get to them at all. I learned that as a kid watching baseball. Justin Verlander today was an example of that. Because think about it, after the leadoff double and the Alonzo walk, Justin Verlander would go on and pitch seven more innings. The New York Mets would have one base runner, and that would be a swinging bunt by Ender and Ciarte, in which I thought, I think it was Bregman who made the throw. Shouldn't have picked the ball up. I thought it was rolling foul. Maybe it was Castro. That was the only base runner the Mets had from the second inning on. So that cliche couldn't have been more accurate. He was dominant. And the Mets had good swings on him in the first inning, good contact on him in the first inning. And if Marte advances him, and he didn't, he had a fly ball to center field. If he advances Nimmo to third, and I don't know, does Dusty bring the infield in in the bottom of the first inning? I don't know. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. Maybe Lindor's ground ball turns into a one-nothing game and everything is different. But they had their shot. They had their shot against Verlander. It was the only shot they had in this game. This was a mow down. This was a mow down game. Cause even in the ninth inning, once they were down by two and they're facing Ryan Presley, who Yankee fans would lick their chops at, he made it look easy against Nimmo Marte and Lindor. So this was an anemic offensive performance, and it all came from not being able to take advantage of the opportunity in the first inning. Now, here's my issue with Buck. Buck did something that was so awesome in this game. And yes, I was schmoozing with clients as it was happening, but I was still sort of locked in. Taiwan Walker gets the leadoff man out in the eighth inning. I don't even know how he did it. My dad was scoring the game for me at this point. Because again, I'm you know talking to clients. Great job picking the seventh and eighth inning of this game for us to do that. But and Craig didn't care. Like to him, he's like, whatever, great. It's like I'm not. I don't have to watch this game now for a few more innings. So all of a sudden, as I'm up there, and I know there's one out, nobody on, and I glance up, I hear the trumpets. I hear the trumpets. Here comes Edwin Diaz, and I love it. This is what I want as a fan, and this is what I want from my manager. Why do I love it? You've got the top of the order coming up. You've got Jose Altuve. You've got Jeremy Pena, who's had a good year. You've got Jordan Alvarez, who you barely can get out. And you go to your best reliever. I mean, that's, that's what you should do. What, are you going to save him? What are you saving him for? You're going to go to Drew Smith in the eighth inning? No, no. You go to your best reliever. And even though it wasn't easy, obviously, Diaz hits Altuve, gives up the base hit to Peña. To Diaz's credit, he strikes out Jordan. He strikes out Bregman. He throws 14 pitches. And because the Mets have an off day on Thursday, because the Mets had an off day on Monday, because the fact that Diaz hadn't pitched since Saturday, Logic told me he's going to pitch the ninth. This is going to be a five-out opportunity for Edwin Diaz. And then he comes out of the game. I didn't understand that. It's not as if Diaz threw 30 pitches. He threw 14 pitches. You have another off day coming up. I also thought that this was the kind of game, and Buck's done this before, where you say bigger than other games. We've lost two in a row. The off days that I mentioned, I thought he did that with the Dodger game. That finale against the Dodgers where he treated it when he went to Diaz in the eighth inning as, hey, this is more important of a game. I was very surprised and disappointed that he goes to Drew Smith. Now, this is on Drew Smith. Drew Smith is supposed to be, after Diaz, their most reliable reliever, and he's the one that gave up the two-run home run to Jason Castro. But I I didn't love that. Uh, To me, Buck should have left Diaz in this game, finished the ninth inning. Does it change anything? Did the Mets just lose the game in the tenth inning? Maybe so. I, I don't know. Probably so. Whatever. So, that one disappointed me. you agree with that, Hoff, or am I being too hard on uh, Buck?
1: I mean, I listened to his post game, and he sounded like he didn't really want to even pitch Edwin Diaz in that game at all. It seemed like he wanted him to give, like, a long layoff. I don't know why. He was like, with the extra day, we, want, we didn't really want to get a, We wanted to give him more time off, so we gave him the 14 pitches. But here's my question to you. Do you think, because right after, after Edwin Diaz gets out of that inning, that's the Pena and Alvarez injury. Right. Do you think that lengthy delay caused him to say, you know what, Diaz, sit this one out. You you were up, you did well, We you did what we needed you to do, to sit this, the rest of the game out. Do you think that had anything, anything to do with it at all?
0: I mean, it may have. Look, that was a very lengthy delay, and I was hoping that was going to affect Verlander because Justin Verlander's out in left field, like, checking them out. Um... Look, I I get in the regular season using things like that or what Buck said in his post game of, hey, Edwin's thrown a lot this year. I didn't want to extend him. I get that. But when you're using him in the eighth inning, even though it's against their best hitters, it does seem with the off days around it, this would have been the moment to extend him. Like, I get it. You can't ask Edwin Diaz to throw 30 pitches every time he's out there. Nor am I suggesting that. But there are certain times in a schedule in which it makes sense or more sense to do it on a given day. And because of the off days, because he hadn't pitched, it, to me, seemed like it made the most sense. I don't think the layoff should matter, but I I guess it could have. And look, ultimately, it doesn't change the fact that Drew Smith failed and the Mets couldn't hit. It's just when Diaz came in that game, I don't know if you thought the same thing watching it, I assumed he was going to get the ninth inning. I looked at it as he's getting five outs. Yeah, I, I, I 100% thought that. And I, I expected, like,
1: Verlander to be out, especially because of uh, the fact that it seemed like the lengthy delay, it seemed like he was hitting 100 pitches or whatever it is. That was done, so it was like, perfect. Give Edwin Diaz the ninth, and then we're going to hit their their closer or whoever the bullpen guy is, and that puts us in a good situation. And instead it was Drew Smith Survivor a beach ball.
0: Yeah, look, and it's... I hate to say how many different things the Mets need to add at the trade deadline because none of us want to see them mortgage their entire farm system, but obviously they need another arm out of the bullpen. Like, Drew Smith has had a good season. I don't want to sit here and just lambast him all the time, but this is not a great bullpen. I mean, it's obvious. They don't have guys that you really trust. Edwin Diaz is number one on that list by a lot, and and I give Edwin credit. Even after he gave up the hit to, to, to Pena, and there's two on and one out, and you're facing Jordan and Bregman, I I sort of had a confidence, you know, Edwin Diaz is, he hasn't been perfect, but there was a a little bit level of confidence that Diaz was going to be able to get out of it. And to his credit, he did it. He did it against two of the Astros best hitters, but it's a weakness that the second guy in your bullpen, you go to the most reliable pitcher after Diaz is the one that gives up a home run to a guy who ain't very good in Jason Castro.
1: Yeah, that was disgusting, and, and Edwin Diaz really did put a pair. Like he showed his balls right there. Like that, not to be vulgar or whatever. But the reality is, he could have imploded, and in past he would have. But this year it's yeah, so yeah. different, man. So it's you got you got to tip your cap to him. But again, like I, I don't know where else are you supposed to go if it's not Drew Smith. It's Adam Madavino throwing up a, a meatball
0: too. No, 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 no. It's Drew Smith's the guy. Like I don't have any criticism of using Drew Smith. It was more maybe you could have gotten three more outs out of Diaz. And if Smith's the guy coming in the 10th inning anyway, I mean, let's face it, like, if Edwin gets the ninth, pitches the ninth, I don't think the Astros would have used Ryan Presley in a tie game, but whatever. Whoever they use, mows the Mets down because they haven't hit in a while. You're going to go to Drew Smith in the 10th inning. I mean, if I'm making a list of all the Met relievers and I'm saying, all right, what's my circle of trust level? To me, it's Edwin Diaz, number one. It's Drew Smith, number two. And then there's a huge drop off before you get to Seth Lugo and Adam Ottavino, and then what? Joey Rodriguez. No. So no.
1: Chasing <laughs> no. Treve, get out of here. We've seen that. we seen that play oh happen. Oh my god!
0: I'm ready for the DFA chasing Treve already. I mean, he is just a kerosene on the
1: fire. Can we get Miguel Castro back, please? <laughs>
0: I tell you, he drove me nuts too with all his walks and whatnot. He did,
1: but I mean, what a, what what an embarrassing trade! We never make trades with the
0: Yankees, let's and then not, we give well, away. Let's not act like Miguel Castro is freaking uh, Rob Dibble in his prime. I mean, we got Jolie Rodriguez, which, by the no, way, I, I ran I, to Rob Dibble last week. Nice guy. I, did. <laughs> I don't know why I used Rob Dibble as the example of a elite reliever. I just. In that moment when Dibble was great. I remember when Rob Dibble gave up a game-winning home run to Chase Stadium and he ripped his shirt off. It was classic. He was with the oh, Reds. Yeah. yeah. Just like, just rip that some bitch off. <laughs> but either way, it looks like Max will be back soon. It looks like Jake will begin his rehab soon. But again, you got to start that clock once he uh, gets going. But they got to get the offense going. And hopefully they'll add a jolt with Francisco Alvarez.